Good morning and welcome to Elgin Baptist Church. Uh, although we're watching from so many different places, it's good to know that we're all one in Christ Jesus. So let's come into God's presence and pray. Lord, we come before your throne of grace and we are here because we long to worship you. You are the one that is pouring your grace upon our lives day by day. And we much thank you for it, because without it, our lives would be meaningless and worthless. So we ask that you would come among us, that you would be honoured in what we read, that you would be honoured in what we say and what we pray and what we sing. And it is truly, truly maybe a time where you are worshipped and glorified. That we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We will now stand and sing Behold Our God. Well, good morning, boys and girls and grown-ups. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when I travel. I sometimes have to travel by car to various places. And because my car is an old car, it doesn't have a sat-nav. So the only way I know how to reach the place where I'm going is by using a, 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 an app on my mobile called Google Maps and it will tell me exactly where I need to go. And that made me think, I've got an app that is far more wonderful than that one on my laptop at home. And it's an app, you may have heard of it before, it's called Google Earth. And what it has gotten is it's got the whole globe in an app on my desktop. So I can open it up and I'm going to take you on a journey with me. So the first journey is to go from earth to the place where Jesus was born. And Jesus was born in a country called Israel. So we zoom in on Israel. And as we zoom into Israel, the main city in Israel is called Jerusalem. So we come closer to Jerusalem and we're starting to see the town appear with all its streets. And then the next bit we zoom we zoom into the most holy place in Jerusalem, which is the temple. That's the place where people have come for a long, long time to worship God. So here we are, all of a sudden, in Temple Square, and there is people praying, and there's various people bringing their worship to God. One of the things that is in the middle of the temple is an area that is called the Holies of Holies. It is where the high priest normally goes in once a year to meet with God. And if you were to go to one of the three doors that is on that small building, you will find it says access for the high priest only because the normal public cannot go in there. It's only for the high priest. But thanks to the fact that Jesus has given his life for us on the cross, we actually now have direct access to God. So imagine what would happen if we opened that door uh, that normally is only for the privileged high priest to go in. We would stand on the holiest ground there is on earth. And the person who we would meet would be Almighty God. And he would say, whatever your name is, you're most welcome because he loves people to come close to him. In fact, God says in his word, come close, draw close to me, and I will come close to you. Now, 
There's two ways in which we, without having to use Google Earth or go all the way to the temple, there is two ways in which we can come close to God. One of them is by reading the Bible and the other one is by praying. And these are great ways to find out who God is, to come close to him and for him to come close to us. So the more we want to experience God's love and the more we want to know about him as a person, the more we need to dig into his word and the more we need to try and pray and speak to him. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts and give a real desire for your word and to give a real desire to speak to you in our prayers. Lord, come into our lives afresh and draw us to you that we pray that in what we read and in what we say to you that we may be blessed, but equally so that you may be blessed by our nearness. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for the fact that you, wherever we go, always presents yourself with us. And we ask you to continue to bless this time as we now open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's Bible reading comes from the book of Isaiah, and it's Isaiah chapter 37. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 21. And then I'm going to continue later on in the chapter from verses 33 to 38. So Isaiah 37, verses 1 to 21. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told them, This is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now, Sennacherib received a report that Terhaka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against them. When he heard it, the, the, he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let God you depend on the sieve. You when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries. 
destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeb, and the people of Eden, who were in Tel Asa? Where is the king of Hamath, or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lair, Sepharvaim, Hina, and Eva? Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, and thrown between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And then we go on to verse 33. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build the siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramalek and Sharazer killed him with the sword. And they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. And I'm now going to pass over to Graham to reveal what the Lord has put on his heart and the message he has got for you for this morning. I'd just like to thank Ed for opening and also for the reading in Isaiah 37. Before I preach in it, just have a short word of prayer. Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will take the word that you've laid upon my heart for this day. I pray for each one of us listening that you will speak, O God, and whatever the message may be for someone, we just pray that it will be your speaking to them. We ask your help, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was at school, my school report card said the same every year. I could have actually written uh, my report card. Lacks concentration, lacks focus, easily distracted, and so on. I never changed in all my time at school. And when I think of my report card, if the Lord was to do a report card in my ear, 
And if he was to do a report card on my prayer life, I may be able to write myself what it would be. Easily discouraged, easily distracted, lose heart, and so on. And maybe you're the same as you're listening this morning. Maybe you find prayer a real challenge. And the reason I've read this today is I just pray that the Lord will use this message to encourage you in prayer. There have been different times in my life that um, through a sermon or reading Jim Sambala's book many years ago, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, that really refocused me on the importance and on the blessing of prayer. So my prayer today for myself and for you as you listen is that this may be a turning point in your prayer life. Or again, to, re to focus on the importance of prayer. And reading Hezekiah today, I want to, f to speak on, highlight four things about Hezekiah's prayer. It's a really important prayer. We've read from the historical section of Isaiah 36 to 39. It's only a historical section part uh, in Isaiah. And it's also recorded in 2 Chronicles and in 2 Kings. So there's three different books in the Bible speak of Hezekiah's prayer. So this was a really important prayer. It begins in chapter 36 when it says, It came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he began to reign. His father, King Aeus, was a wicked king, but King Hezekiah was a godly king. And it speaks in the 14th year that king of, the, of King Hezekiah's reign that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh, that was his chief of staff, a governor, and he came with a great army and he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And there he cried, and this is the words that he cried in Hebrew to the people. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. And then he goes on to say uh, the words in verse 38. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? So he's standing there and he's speaking to the people of Jerusalem. He's belittling the God, the living God of Israel. You can actually read the words in chapter 36. And this was a real crisis in Hezekiah's life as king. And in all our lives, crises come in. Troubles come. Sorrows come. Disappointments come. And maybe you're passing through one eh, this morning as you listen. Maybe there is something happened this week in your life. Maybe it's a, a, a real crisis and you're, you're wondering who to turn or where to turn. Hezekiah is a great example because the first thing I want to point out today in regards to Hezekiah is that he prayed. And that may be stating the obvious, 
We've got here in verse 37 where uh, the passage was read, And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, it shows his distress, and went into the house of the Lord. But so often sometimes in our life when a crisis arises or troubles come that we turn and we try to deal with situations ourselves first. And so often there's times that we can forget about prayer. But the first thing I want to remind us today is this, is that Hezekiah prayed. It's not only that he prayed, he asked Isaiah, we've got in verse 2 to 4, that Isaiah would pray as well about the situation. And that's a great blessing in our lives when we can call on someone to pray for us or to pray for our situation. Paul did it. The Apostle Paul asked for prayer. And I thank God for godly men and women in my life that I can phone or send a text and ask for prayer. So King Hezekiah has gone into the house gone into the house of the Lord to pray and he's also asked Isaiah to pray and Isaiah comes back the word comes back from uh, the Lord to, to Isaiah to give to Hezekiah which is do not be afraid of the words <coughs> which you have heard and that's a great comfort for us to receive a word from the Lord as a verse in Proverbs that says that whosoever listens to me will dwell safely without fear of evil. Because when we're attacked by the devil, it's a great thing to go to the word of God and find comfort in the scriptures. But then in chapter 37, we read that in verse 8, that then Rabshakath returned and he found the king of Assyria warring against Libna. In verse 9, the king of Ethiopia and the Assyrians wouldn't want to war in two fronts so they would like a quick surrender from Jerusalem so again he sends a letter with the same words again we can read in verse 10 to verse 13 and again it is belittling the God the living God. You can read them. Do not let your, your God and whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. It's scary at times the way that the devil can attack our faith. He wants to belittle God in our eyes. He wants us to question God's ways. He wants us to doubt in God's word. He wants us to doubt God's hand upon our life. He wants us to feel that God is not able for the situations and the crises and the troubles that arise in our life. And this is a, a direct attack here on Hezekiah's faith in God. And what we find is this in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messenger and read it. In this crisis, Hezekiah is turning to the Lord. He had no example in his father, King Haas. I was just reading about his father. It says that in the crisis in King Haas' life, it says, since, this is what he did, since the God of the kings of Syria has helped Syria, helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they help me. His father, King Aeus, 
turned in his crisis to the false gods. So King Hezekiah had no role model in his father eh, to be an example in prayer to him. And that's a great thing, not only that we have godly men and women that we can ask to pray for us, as I mentioned earlier, but it's a great thing to have role models and people that we look at and know that they're men or women of prayer, and we can hear them pray, and there are examples in their life of prayer. As I was meditating in this, in the, on this this week, I was thinking on a couple of examples in my own life. I remember once, in what was a crisis in my uh, life, I, I met a believer and we went a walk along, along the beach. And we're walking along the beach and I was sharing and he was listening and he was trying to help. And he just said in the middle of the beach, let's kneel and pray. And there was people on the beach and he knelt and he cried to God. That made a deep impression on me. He showed me the importance of prayer. And he knelt there in the beach and there was people walking past and he was looking up and he was crying to God for my situation. Another time uh, was the first time I ever took a school assembly for the Gideons uh, was in Forest Academy. And I remember being really nervous. I parked the car and I was walking along to meet Ronald Main. And Ronald comes along. And the first thing was we met in the school playground. It was before uh, nine o'clock and the kids were all going towards the main entrance. And Ronald says, we're going no further. Stop here. You can just imagine, those of you who know Ronald saying, stop, we're praying. And there in the midst of the playground with all the kids passing and me holding a box of Gideon Bibles, Ronald was crying to God that I would be helped and we would be helped and there would be a great time of blessing. And again, that role model in Ronald really encouraged me and strengthened me for that uh, taking the school assembly. But it's something that I have never forgotten since. And every time I go in with the Gideons to school, I always think of Ronald's model for me in prayer and we're in standing in an open playground praying. So that's a great blessing. And that's the first point. It's a great blessing that we can turn to God in prayer because God changes his situations through our prayers. I've been greatly blessed in lockdown and studying the prayers in the Bible. And I do trust during lockdown and when you've maybe had more time that you've used it, maybe in the study of the Bible, or maybe in reading Christian books or in prayer, we cannot waste these moments. These are moments that maybe God has given us, time aside, use them, study the word. And Hezekiah here in his prayer from verse 16 to 20 is a great prayer. This is near a short prayer, and I'm not saying nothing about short prayers wrong because short prayers are really important. Graham has been reminding us about Nehemiah's prayer in, in the Sunday evening. There were often short prayers. I remember before I went to sea at 16, I remember an old man in the meeting where I grew up said, when you're putting on your oil skins to go into the deck, just say that short prayer. Preserve me, O God, for I trust in you. And that's just a short prayer. But this is a magnificent prayer. And this brings me to the second point about Hezekiah. And that is his focus on God. 
Look at what's verse 16. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. And Alistair Begg says this in his book, Pray Big. Would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth refreshed and invigorated, musing upon the subject of the Godhead. Another quote in that book is Hudson Taylor. To gaze on him, to take in what we are even now competent to take in of his greatness, his resources, his awesomeness, his promises. I just so love that. Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity. And that's where Hezekiah is here in his prayer. He's not focusing on Sennacherib and the great might of the Assyrian army that's coming up into Jerusalem, that's threatening to overrun Jerusalem as they've done all the surrounding places in Judah and the nation surrounding. What hope has Jerusalem got? But Hezekiah is not focusing there. He is, as Alistair Begg said in his book, he is being lost in his immensity, the immensity of God. And he starts his prayer by these words, O Lord of hosts. The ESV uh, uses that, that word for God, O Lord of hosts. Some of the new translations say, O Lord, of, Lord Almighty. But the correct translation in the Hebrew is, O Lord of hosts. And it's the name Jehovah Sabaoth. And it means armies. The Hebrew is meaning armies. And Jehovah Sabaoth is this. It speaks of God's available power in our time of trouble. Jehovah Sabaoth is the strong tower which God has made available for these times when we feel powerless and our resources are inadequate. It's like the hymn of Martin Luther, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That's in the monument, the bottom of the monument, that hymn in Wittenberg to Martin Luther. What a great hymn, a mighty fortress is our God, Jehovah Sabaoth. A strong, a bulwark never failing. It's what they sung during the Reformation. They sung in the church. They sung in the streets. They sung as martyrs were going to their death. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. And where is Hezekiah's focus, may I ask? It's on Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of hosts. The Lord who is over everything. He's over angels, he's over nations, he's over individuals. The God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim. Think of the cherubim in Jerusalem. Think of the temple. Think of the holiest of holies where God dwelt. He made his dwelling there. He dwells between the cherubim. Not a distant God, a God who is near. You are God, you alone. There is only one God, one living God. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. He has been lost in the immensity. His focus is on God. He's not beginning with his problems. He is beginning with God. He is extolling God. He is extolling the God who is able, who says in Genesis, is anything too hard for me? 
And as we consider and stop and think of uh, Hezekiah as he stands before the mighty monarch of the universe, praying this prayer, let me just stop and pause for a moment and remind you and me this today. We have the same privilege of Hezekiah. I want to turn aside and just say this. I thank God for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross that you see behind me. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, it says that Christ once suffered for our sins. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And as we are brought to God in repentance, the blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross cleanses us from every sin. And God places his Holy Spirit within us. And by the Holy Spirit, we're reminded in Galatians, we can cry, Abba, Father. We have access to God. It says in Ephesians 2, through Christ and by one spirit, we have access to the Father through Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross, the veil of the temple was rent in two. The way into God's presence was made available to whosoever will. And we have boldness, according to Hebrews 10. We have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way. Through Christ, by his precious blood, we have been brought to God and we have a relationship with God and we can call God Father and we can come at any time. That is a tremendous blessing and it's only ours because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. I wonder this morning if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you know God. Maybe you've just tuned in and you're listening to this. You've suddenly come across this. Maybe you're rem I'm reminded of a, a young man who went, an atheist, he went into St. Martin's in the, in the Field Church in Trafalgar Square in London, and he prayed, God, if you're real, give me a sign. He walked out of there, and two minutes later, he went into Charing Cross Station, and there was a woman standing, giving out tracts. He shared this with her, and she said, I'm that sign. I'm that sign. And maybe you've been asking God, maybe during COVID-19, you've been really troubled. You feel so helpless and hopeless, no one to turn to. Let me remind you today of the God of heaven whose arms are outstretched who invites you to come and trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved and know the blessing and joy of a loving relationship with the God of heaven. And that is a great blessing. But let's go back to Hezekiah. The first point is this, Hezekiah prayed. The second is this, his focus is on God. The third is this, we read of it in verse 14. He went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He shared it with the Lord. He spread it. He just took it all. What that letter was that he'd received from the Assyrians to scare him, to frighten him. He just came into the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. This week I was going through my books and I was delighted to come across the Moffat translation of the Bible. I've lo I had lost it. I lost it for a few years. I couldn't have found it. And when I discovered it this week, I was delighted. The first time I ever heard a verse quoted from the Moffat translation was in this church when Edward Holloway was preaching. And as probably hardly a day goes by that I don't think of that preaching and what he preached on because it's such an impact on me. And it was the Moffat translation of Psalm 62. When he stood here, and I know I've repeated this before, but it's worth repeating. And he, 
And in Edward's way, he shouted the words, Psalm 62, verse 1, Leave it all quietly with God my soul. And he emphasized, leave it. He emphasized all. And he emphasized, with God my soul. And this is what Hezekiah is doing here. He's going into the presence of the Lord. He's taken the, the situation, the crisis, and he's lifting it up to God. He's spreading it before God. He's handing it over to the Lord. He's letting it go. Leave it all. See, when we take our problems and our crises and the different things that come out of our life, and we try to deal with them, we are like saying, we are able. But when we come to God like Hezekiah, we are saying, we are not able. Oh, Lord of hosts, we can't. But you are able. And I would just say that this morning to myself and to you, whatever it is, leave it, spread it out before the Lord. And he's not minimizing Hezekiah here. If you look at verse 18, he says, Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and the lands. He's not minimizing the problem. He's spreading it out in detail before the Lord what is happening. This is a great prayer, this. Look at verse 20. Now therefore, O Lord of God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are Lord. You are the Lord, you alone. What a God-centered prayer. It begins with God, it ends with God, it's all the way through God. There is this man standing in the house of the Lord, alone praying. We might ask the question, what can one man achieve praying in this situation, what can Hezekiah do? There's the army that are approaching. It says in James these words about the prayer. It says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. One person praying. One person praying in faith. One person praying with a burdened heart. We are living in locked uh, periods of restriction in the church. There has been lockdown, but there's no restriction in prayer. There's no social distancing with God. And we may not be allowed to meet as normal, but there is nothing stopping us in our private life, in our quiet times, crying out to God like Hezekiah in whatever situation we feel burdened to pray about. Faith is this. Faith is a grasping of almighty power. The hand of man laid on the arm of God, that grand and blessed hour when the things impossible to me become the possible, O Lord, through thee. That is tremendous because this is what faith is. Faith is we're drawing near like Hezekiah. Faith is the grasping of almighty power. The hand of man laid on the arm of God. The grand and blessed hour when the things impossible to me become the possible. O Lord, through thee. The first thing is the importance of prayer. The second is, is focus on God or focus on God in prayer. The third is spreading it out before the Lord in prayer. Just sharing our hearts, burdens with the Lord. And the fourth thing is in verse 21 and these are great words let me read them again then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah saying thus says the Lord God of Israel because you have prayed to me let me just remind you of this today 
God always answers prayer. And we might say, well, what about this situation? What about this person I've prayed for? What about this? God has not answered that. Someone has remarked this. God answers prayer. God's answers, keep praying, but be thankful that God's answers are wiser than your prayers. God is answering our prayers all the time, often not the way we expect or maybe we want. Sometimes we uh, think that we know best, but when we pray and we trust God, he will answer the prayer as he sees in his time. And this is the, uh, the fourth thing is this. Verse 21, because you have prayed to me. That seems to indicate to me, as Hezekiah, if you had not prayed, would the Assyrians swept in? How many lives would have been lost in Jerusalem? But he says, because Hezekiah, because you came and trusted in me, because you depended on me, because you cried to me, because you prayed to me, I'm going to answer, that, answer this prayer. And we've got the answer in verse 22, right down to 35, 34, sorry, 33. It says, you shall not come into this city. And then in verse 34, and again he says, and he shall not come into this city. God says in verse 35, for I will defend this city to save it. Why did God defend the city? Go back to verse 21. Because you have prayed to me, Hezekiah. And just before I... Uh, emphasize this again in the finish. Let me say that the end of Sennacherib, king of Assyria's life, we can go in verse 36 to 38 to see his tragic ending. What a contrast in the life of Sennacherib compared with Hezekiah. One a godly man, one an ungodly man. Two different lives. One like Hezekiah who trusted in the one living God, the other whose trust was in the false gods. A dividing life. But let me remind you this morning, there is a divide in eternity. There is a divide in life. There is a divide in eternity. There are two places. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Maybe you've never prayed in your life. Maybe you've never prayed and cried to the Lord. And maybe today, God is speaking to you to come and trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be gone to church. You may even be a church member and you've never yet repented of your sins, and experienced the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. Let me say this. Come today. Come this morning and trust Christ as your own personal Savior. In closing, let me remind us of these important truths today about Hezekiah to encourage myself and encourage you in your prayer life. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're passing through, whatever is trouble has come into your life, whatever sorrows, whatever disappointments, whatever, pray. That's what Hezekiah did. He prayed. Second is this. Don't focus on your problems. Don't focus on the on the difficulties, because we end up like the children of Israel when they were leaving Egypt and they were coming up to the Red Sea and the mountains were either side and Pharaoh and his chariots were coming behind them. It says that they looked and they were much afraid. When we look at our problems, when we look around us at the situation, we, we lose heart. But we've got to be reminded by Hezekiah, let our focus be on God, 
O Lord of hosts, the Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father. And thirdly, spread it out before the Lord. Just hand it over to the Lord. And fourth, because we do this, God says, because you have prayed to me. Think of that in regards to whatever you're praying about this morning, whatever situation, maybe you're praying for a loved one, maybe you're praying for your husband or your wife's conversion, maybe you're praying for a son or a daughter, maybe you've been praying for 10 or 20 years, and God is saying to you, keep praying, keep praying, because you have prayed to me. Imagine God writing that in the records of heaven, that because you prayed for that unsaved person, maybe an unsaved person at your work or your family, because you kept praying, your prayers are going to be the result of that person coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Vance Havner, an American evangelist that I was reading this week, teacher, he said he was growing in the church he grew up in. He remembers a lady. She used to stand up and pray for her sons. And he used to think, so pointless. They were so far away. Prayed for them for many years. And they came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he said. He says, that mother knew what I had to learn. Stay by God's altar. Stay by God's altar. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up in whatever situation. Think of how this one man's prayer, maybe it's a church situation, maybe it's the area that God has placed you in. Keep praying. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep crying out to God. We're coming up to the anniversary, the 100-year anniversary to the Jock Troop Revival, and I'm struck reading through it of how prayer lay behind it all. And maybe God is reminding us today, in our churches, in our individual lives as this, the need of prayer, because you have prayed to me. May this morning and this message from the Lord encourage you to continue to be a man and woman of prayer, because God answers prayer. He answered Hezekiah's prayer. And he will answer my prayers and he will answer your prayers according to his will for, our, for, for what is best for us and for God's glory. We are going to finish our time of worship as we rise to sing a wonderful song. And the title of the song is Jesus, There is No One Like You. Let's pray. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Well, thank you very much for joining with us this morning. In a moment, some information will appear at the bottom of the screen with our web details and information details. Uh, if you want to find out more about faith in Jesus or want to find out more about our church, feel very welcome to have a look and to contact us. Have a blessed Sunday.